And every second you're not doing something to figure out what your timing and your risk tolerance is, you are literally lighting your money and your wealth on fire. This is The Playbook. Jason Tartik, entrepreneur, investor, speaker, and one of the hosts of the top business podcast, Trading Secrets. Welcome to The Playbook. It is so good to be on The Playbook, David. Thank you so much for having me. Well, you know, I've uh, learned lessons from multiple people in multiple places, and you're someone that gives great content in a variety of different places. And I think that exposure, as well as experience, has allowed you to have what you call these trading secrets. Um, I wanted to start uh, with the secrets that you and I uh, live by. So certain secrets um, that I love to share, I shouldn't even call them secrets, but I love sharing my values and daily practices. What are some of the modern day Napoleon Hill secrets that you've learned to living a passionate, purposeful and profitable life? Oh, I love this question. So yeah, on trading secrets, one of the big things we step into, one of the biggest secrets that I could give anyone is that conversations about money need not to fall in the category of, oh, that is politically incorrect, or it doesn't fit the box of what uh, we should do from an etiquette standpoint. We need to talk about money and we need to do it in a healthy way. We need to talk about where we make money and where we lose money because behind every dollar gained and every dollar lost, there is a lesson that could help myself and you and someone else as they're navigating their professional journey and their financial journey. The second training secret I would tell someone is ignore so much of the outside pressure that's putting you into the lane and writing your story for you. You will become like a puppet on a string if you do not take control of your professional, your personal, and your financial life in this system that we currently live in. And if you look up to anyone in any category and you rewire where they went and how they got there, all of them broke the blueprint in some former fashion. They've done things a little bit differently. They weren't afraid of failure. They took the road less traveled as opposed to the one that maybe mom, dad, brother, sister, colleague, grandfather told them to take. And so you need to be able to consider breaking the blueprint, the same one that you were born into and the same one that you might be into today. Those are some of the top of mind. But David, if we did a whole episode on just trading different secrets, we could do this for hours. (laughs) Oh yeah, and provide extreme value. So I define uh, those secrets though about um, the, the lessons we've learned is dummy tax. So people ask me like, how do you, how do you do what you do, Dave? I'm like, well, I've paid a lot of dummy tax and I don't need other people to pay the dummy tax. And then I love the word rewiring and you utilize that. You have this great new book coming out here in April, um, to restart roadmap, the restart roadmap, rewire and reset your career. And these are two different functionalities when we rewire something compared to uh, the reset that would occur after the rewiring. Uh, Obviously with everything that has transpired over the last 24 months that our careers have all changed. And, you know, in an exponential accelerated manner, I'm not so sure that these changes would not have occurred over a decade of time, uh, but instead they've occurred into a compressed period of time. Define for me the difference in the relationship between rewiring and resetting to restart uh, your new roadmap of your career. I love that. That is such a good question, David, because they are two 
totally different things, right? And when you think about the rewire process, if you're listening to this and you have any bit of career confusion, if you're listening to this and you're one of the 50% of people, 50% of people that, oh, last video there, 50% of people that's not engaged in their work environment, it is time to go through the rewire process. And what the rewire process is getting is like literally as vulnerable as you can to understanding yourself to the bedrock of your foundation, right? Where are you today and how did you get there? And one practice I think that anyone can do is write down what you currently feel about your career, your outlook, your future, and your overall job satisfaction on a piece of paper. Do it in a room or, or notes on your iPad, whatever you do, do it in a room where you're, 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 you have no outside pressure influencing you and go to the closest people in your life and ask those individuals how they perceive your career, how they perceive your track, what they think. And if there's a huge disconnect between where you are in your like inner voice and your guidance and what you're feeling versus what the people around you feel, that is an area to really, really focus on. And so think about things when you're examining to your bedrock, like what is it that you want out of your career? What are some of your natural uh, skill sets? What are your learned abilities? Do those align with your day-to-day -day job? And once you've rewired it, took and taken really a hard look at where you are today and why you are there, then I think you can reset your process of what you want to do. And I think within a career, it comes down to five things. There are five areas people get stuck. It's mobility, it's passion, it's compensation, it's aligned skill set, or it's some type of fear that is driving complacency within their decision-making. And under those five areas, there are so many different tactics and strategies one can customize as they go through the reset process. But it's so important that you go through the rewire process to do some self-examination into who you are and why you're there first. And Jason, you need to have, in order to facilitate this understanding of these five points, you would need to have an open mind, an open heart, and open hands. In other words, you would have had to experience multiple uh, different situations and experiences in your own career in order to have facilitated learning about these things. You know, I put it into the context of three things in the career today as you rewire and reset. One, you know, simply ask, am I going to find the light, the love and the lessons in this occupation? I, I don't believe in work, right? I believe in activity you get paid for. I believe, in, <laughs> I believe in activity you don't get paid for. But, you know, an occupation is somewhere or something that's going to occupy you for a large majority of your day or week. So, you know, are you going to be able to find the light, the love and the lessons in the occupation too? Um do you have the skill set to do it, right? Sure. Be honest with yourself. And then three, are other people going to be able to, to get along with you? You know, right. and I think that last one, a lot of people don't think about, they just, they, they feel an energy. And I'll, I'll give an example because I want you to talk about how often this happens. I'm okay. a typical Jewish kid, right? Single <laughs> mom, doctor, lawyer, failure. I end up going to law school because I found out doctors had to be in hospitals and I don't like hospitals. So my only choice of profession was law lawyer. And as I'm applying for jobs, I have one law firm tell me, dude, you are incredibly skilled, right? We would love you, but you know, you're not going to love it here. 
right? You're, you're, you're not, you're not going to love it here. You, you, this, so I'm going to do you a favor and not offer you the job. And I'm glad they didn't. Cause you know, I ended up getting in the internet and doing extremely well, even though my mom told me the internet was a fad. You know, how, <laughs> how much is that personality fit? If you notice skills and knowledge have been, been diminished completely almost in the job or career set, because you can learn those or access those. It's more about this relational uh, understanding of what you can love and learn and what they can love and learn about you. Exactly. And either you're going to uh, learn and love that about yourself and you're going to maneuver it or just in your case, David, someone is going to see it and guide you. And that happened to me and it happened to my grandfather. My mother's side is Jewish. My father's side's Catholic. And I know you said you're a a Jewish boy. You got a lot of guilt. (laughs) It's a lot of action right there. Uh, but they, uh, my grandfather, I'll never forget when he told me is that he always wanted to sing and dance and be in the theater. And his grandfather said, you know, his father said, you have, you have two options in this family. You're going to be a lawyer or you're going to be a doctor. You'll be a professional. And that's it. And still to this day, he looks back at his life and his legacy. And he lives with that regret that he was never able at any point to go see that area of the life that he so badly wanted. In a very similar uh, uh, scenario to you, David, I got, I networked in, because there's no other way I would have got in. I wasn't an Ivy League guy, but I networked into the Jordan company. And I talk about this in my book, The Restart Roadmap, high profile private equity company, right? Similar to, I come in, I tell them what I've achieved. I tell them about my ex, uh, my, my, my sales goals and how I've exceeded them and my, my, my everything, education and all that stuff. And the two partners look at me and they're like, we'll be right back. They get up in the middle of the meeting. I'm like, what the hell did I say? What did I do? What's wrong? And they bring in these two guys. One was from Notre Dame. One was from Penn and they were young guys and they sit them down. And they say to the guys, they go, tell Jason about what you do on a day-to-day basis. And they go through talking about when they get there, how they get there, the models they do, everything they do. They said, Jason, you have any questions for him? I had a few questions. I said, okay, we're good. We'll leave. Closes the door and he looks at me. He says, here's the difference. You are not them. They are not you. Based on your personality and skill set, you can't, I'm telling you right now, you can't sit at 18 hours doing models in Excel. And I don't, I wouldn't want you there. I'd want you on the street selling deals. And these guys couldn't come into a meeting like you just did with us and make the impression you just made because they're, they are desk jockeys. They said, so I, you want that job? I'll give you that job. But if I put you in that job, you'll be burnt out in six months. It's the worst thing I could do for you. And so it was very eye opening that here I had a guy that had met me in 30 minutes and knew me better than I knew myself. And if anyone feels as though that scenario might apply to them, that's where that rewire process is really pertinent. One of the other things that we talk about, and I've listened to you, uh, is your perspective on two essential things today. Branding, which is now modified, amplified, and perpetuated. It's not just certain in a traditional sense. And of course, negotiation, not being in a zero sum game of negotiation, but a value add game of negotiation. What is your perspective today about branding? And two, how does that and is it relative to the negotiation perspective that you have? Branding has never, branding has always been critical, right? But it's just never been 
as important as it is today because we have such access to individuals and people and companies we never did before. I mean, I have part ownership in the talent agency. So we are placing very sizable social media collaborations with people who literally three months ago had no following, had no influence. They weren't on a television show. They just came up with a niche or an opinion and they consistently put it out on whatever forum they put it out and branded themselves. It's 168 hours in a week. They might apply one or two a day to do this. And now these people, and I'm telling you right from my mouth because I've seen it, are getting paid $50,000 to post one picture, right? They are making now what they made in their entire salary in one picture delivery because they focused on branding. And within the Restart Roadmap, there are actionable items that anyone can do to monetize their brand and their following and build that brand. And then some people say, that doesn't relate to me. I only have 400 followers. If you have 10 followers, there are strategies to monetize and build a community. Whether you have 10 or 10 million, there's places you could do it. And I'll end with one tip is make sure wherever you're following someone on social media, you also follow them on LinkedIn because LinkedIn is the most powerful tool right now for networking and job placement. And it's a great way to get that access that 10, 15, 20 years ago, you just didn't have the opportunity to do because of technology. And in that aspect, the bigger the brand, the more the leverage you have, this leverage of abundance or of a value add game where people can aggregate community, aggregate energy and frequency in the branding process. How has negotiation changed for you uh, in your career with this new idea of micro brands, macro brands in the size, scope and scale of the audience? Yeah. You know, what's interesting is that if you look at the way I negotiate today for brands and deals, uh, it's relatively same to the way I negotiated, you know, a year ago when the following in the community and the brand wasn't as built. And it's the same way I negotiated at the bank. Like the tactics are very uh, crossover, and it's it's really about establishing value, using marketplace information to bring your value to fruition, and objectively knowing what success looks like in the eyes of that individual who's placing that opportunity. That that deal or that boss. And the step-by-step process of negotiating uh, really hasn't changed too drastically. In my book, I talk about two examples. Uh, one where I got a 50% raise, 50% raise by leaving the company for nine months and coming back. And another one I talked about, I got 20% raise in a six-minute conversation, simply reaching out to a recruiter, providing them my analytics, in return, getting a verbal job offer, and just saying to my boss, guards down, listen, I don't want to leave. I love it here. But when I'm getting this type of verbal offer from someone in the marketplace, it tells me that I'm undervalued at this company. And is there anything you could do to help me out? I'm not even asking you to match it. What can you do? 48 hours later, comes back in and goes, you got a 20% raise, but don't expect this every week. (laughs) (laughs) Unless you come back with another 50% offer outside, right? Yeah. Uh, But, you know, that brings up a good point, though. And the thing to me that has been amplified in the new size, scope and scale of audience is that you've always had to be able to deliver or create value or produce value. You've always had to be able to deliver that value well. Uh, which you've been able to do and from Wall Street to network, you know, you, you provide value in podcasting and books, but you provide value and deliver it well. I think the biggest nuance from, you know, when I ran Lee Steinberg uh, Sports Entertainment, the most notable sports agency or Warren Moon and I had the global sports marketing company is never before 
not only do you have to deliver value and deliver it well, but now you have to deliver it to many. And there's different aspects of, you know, when 10% of many love you and 10% of many hate you right off the back, uh, it creates, you know, a different nuance in branding and negotiation. Uh, but you yourself have utilized it in a personal example of how that exposure to many has allowed you to get a 20% raise instantly uh, because of the exposure and awareness of providing value and providing it well, where if you're living in Knox, Indiana in the old days with 300,000 possible people that even know who you are, it's a lot different than 7.6 billion where, you know, the sod gurus giving you a call or Tom Brady because they watched something that they loved of yours and they now have access to you via, you know, LinkedIn or a social media platform in two seconds. They don't have to look up your phone number. You know, you're purposely that way. All right. Last question. Go ahead. Do you want to comment on that? I'm sorry. Oh, no, I just I, I couldn't agree more with you. I know that it was like every single thing you just said about the progression of, of both my story and what we're seeing in the ever changing world is 100% correct. And the only thing I would add that I, I think you were both on the same page with is the way that this has changed, like you said, in the last 24 hour or 24 month period has changed at a rate that I think would have taken seven to 10 years. So it's happened so quick and so fast. And I think it has some people uh, just completely shell-shocked, like paralyzed by it. And if you feel paralyzed by the change in the metaverse and NFTs and crypto and social media, take a breather and really just put in your time and your homework and your research, because a lot of these changes are permanent and it can really behoove you to get out of it. Yeah, I don't think you made a, a verbal error by saying in the last 24 hours, things have changed at a pace <laughs> that's that you've seen true. before. That's true. And I also agree with you. If you're feeling overwhelmed, remember prioritization is the antidote to feeling overwhelmed. It's also the antidote of procrastination. So start learning what's important to you and prioritizing. And sooner or later, you'll learn the stable data necessary for NFTs, crypto, the changes in real estate, education, uh, our financial uh, world and institutions and that's why it's important to restart, rewire, and, and uh, re-engineer what we're doing. Uh, why your book is so important uh, as well, because it's with change that fast, you need a restart roadmap so often, and you need to rewire and reset, if not daily. So last question, real fact, another area that you and I deal with, and it's probably because of our financial backgrounds more than anything else, is the importance of timing and risk tolerance. You know, so many people ask us advice, especially investment advice. And my first question, I never answer, no matter if it's NFTs, crypto, real estate, whatever they ask me, you know, IULs, insurance-based stuff, I don't care. I will ask lottery tickets. I don't care what they're asking for. I'll say, <laughs> you know, what's your timing and risk tolerance? And, you know, you talked about engagement being less than 50% of the people are engaged. I would say less than 90% of the people are engaged. I would say less than 99% of the people have any idea what their timing and risk tolerance. So no matter if they make money or lose money, they're going to be dissatisfied because unless you know your expectation of your timing and risk tolerance, you're going to be disappointed. How important or what perspective do you take on time and risk tolerance? 
It's a brilliant question. It ties into exactly what we just said when I fumbled and said 24 hours, because my gosh, you are so correct. You look at the last 24 hours, we're seeing interest rate hikes for the first time since 2018. You see the price of oil dropping below $100 a barrel and the market reacting ridiculously. We are living in this world where things are changing by the second and they're not changing in small ways. They are changing drastically. So when we're talking about time and risk tolerance, here's one thing that everyone needs to think about. If you feel paralyzed, paralyzed in this decision a year ago, that was okay. It wasn't the best thing, but it was okay. Six months ago, I would recommend you really figure out timing and risk tolerance, but I guess it's okay. Now you have no choice because when inflation was 0%, right? If your money is sitting on and doing nothing for you because you haven't made the decision, at least you're not being impacted at a rate of higher inflation. We now have 7.9% inflation. It's the highest inflation since January, 1982, over 40 years. And every second you're not doing something to figure out what your timing and your risk tolerance is, you are literally lighting your money and your wealth on fire. And where I always tell people to start is like when they're confused about what do you mean by risk tolerance and where to go? We can all relate to a casino. If you're over 21, you've been to a casino. You mentioned lottery tickets, but we have this group of people we'll go to a casino with, right? And one person like my mother will be the person that says, I'm just going to sit by you, Jason. I'm going to watch you play and I'm just going to get free drinks. And I'll know that I'll have five free drinks at the end of the night. And my net gain from that is $94 because I'm not going to gamble anything extremely low risk tolerance. I have one buddy who go put $2,000 on red, outrageous risk tolerance, right? So these are two people. They'll have totally different investment selection because of what is comfortable within their means of risk. And so timing and risk tolerance, self-examination, six months ago, a year ago, we could have put it on pause. Today, you cannot put it on pause, period. No doubt for two other reasons as well. Not only is change happening at an exponential rate, but our awareness of the change is happening at an exponential rate. So, you know, you will be on, whether it's sports, finance, really like never before change would happen slower, but then it would take a long time to, to find out about the change. So right. now instantaneously, all the experts are on top of every change. So if you're a football expert and Tom Brady says, you know, I'm not going to retire, you know, in the old days, you know, there's some sports agents that it may take a month till they find that out. Right. Like literally, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> now it's like my kids texting me my, my his birthday today. So I'm going to give him a shout out. Miles is texting me from his you know sixth grade class. Dad, Tom Brady's coming back. You were right on your XM serious show. And I'm like, what world are we living in? So you got to learn to prioritize. You got to learn to have your timing and risk tolerance. You got to learn to make money, help people have fun, learn lessons, do your best. And of course, have fun. You are perfect at that. I know you both, uh, both of us today are having a lot of fun, uh, but we're helping a lot of people, which is why I wanted to have you on here. Your podcast, your book, they're all aimed to create an impact of empowering others to make money, help people and have fun. Who knows how we ended up building our own brands, how we ended up in the media world, but I'm certainly glad that we have because 
otherwise in this crazy world you and I had would never have met. And uh, I can tell we're kindred spirits. And I look forward to the next time we get to talk. The incredible Jason Tartik. Check him out, Entrepreneur Investor Speaker. His podcast is incredible, Trading Secrets. And we've already beat down the book because if you don't buy it, you're a moron. That's all I got to say. You got to restart your roadmap every day by rewiring and resetting yourself. Thank you so much, Jason.